What's up, everyone? I'm Brady Morgan, and I'm the host of the Budget Trek Podcast. If you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and review and rate the podcast. That would be very much appreciated. Before we dive in, I want to talk about our sponsor. SocialX is a community of entrepreneurs working together to make a positive impact on the world, scale their businesses, make more money, and build their networks with like-minded individuals. They teach entrepreneurs how to go from zero to six figures through weekly mastermind calls featuring top business leaders, online courses, and amazing events all over the country. If you're interested in learning more about SocialX, go to socialxevents.com and tell them you came from the Budget Trek podcast. Now, on to the show. What's going on, everybody? It is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Budget Trek podcast, and today I have a very special interview. David Meltzer, the co-founder of Sports One Marketing. He is an investor in esports and the host of the podcast, The Playbook. David, what's going on, man? I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So before we get started, I'd like to give my newer listeners kind of an intro into what Budget Trek actually is. Started as me and my wife's journey to reaching financial freedom, kind of detailing the struggles and successes along the way, but adding in the interview component, hearing about your own struggles and successes along your own journey, I think really does help people in their own way of life, whatever that is. But before we get into your story and how that plays a role in the foundation of Budget Trek, I always ask this preliminary question, what is the dumbest purchase you have ever made? (laughs) It's easy for me. Uh, I bought a golf course. And what I learned from that was be the third owner of a golf course. Wait for the idiots like me that bought it, gave all their money into it, time, built all the real estate, the brand and the audience and the following and the memberships and all of that. And then be the third owner and swoop in when that guy goes bankrupt. Yeah. Well, I don't have a purchase quite that large. That's dumb, but <laughs> that's good to hear. But I want to dive into your story because when you look into your story, it looks like you had a lot of success early on and then you lost everything and then you regained it back. So kind of walk us through that because I'm sure there was a lot of struggles during that time in your life. Yeah, it's a journey of money and uh, I've had financial success. I consider you know my success the lessons I've learned and so Uh, The lessons I've learned keep on coming uh, throughout my life, and I'm blessed to have all those lessons because it's created an acceleration and a growth towards happiness. You know, I lived a a much more passionate, purposeful, and profitable life now than I ever have because of those lessons. But my journey is about money. Uh, I grew up uh, in a world of not enough. My mom uh, raised us a single mom since I was five with six kids, a single mom. Packed our dinners in a country squire station wagon between our two jobs as a second grade teacher and filling turnstiles at convenience stores for greeting cards. Uh, But I was happy. The only time I wasn't happy was when my mom was crying over financial stress. A lot of people experience that witnessing their parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles, you know, ruining their lives over financial stress. And I decided that money would buy me happiness, that I was already happy with this unbelievable mom and incredible siblings but I was going to make a lot of money to buy my mom a house and a car. And so through that journey, I tried to be a professional football player, but my first game in college, I got ran over by Christian Okoye and Mm. lying on my back. All I could hear my mom saying is doctor, lawyer, failure. So I tried to to be a doctor. I was pre-med. My brother gave me a great lesson to be more interested than interesting when I told him I didn't like hospitals and he almost fell over saying, you're pre-med and you don't like hospitals. I'm not understanding. And I was 18 years old and not very interested in what being a doctor was other than rich. 
So I immediately went to law school to be rich. I reverse engineered going to law school by finding what job paid the most and going to the law school that had that job in the highest education in admiralty law, maritime law, it was Tulane University in New Orleans. I was going to be an oil and gas litigator for one fact, not that I loved oil and gas, not that I loved the law, but it was the highest paying job. So everything for me was money oriented. When I graduated law school, that's where my critical decision in life happened. That's where my life changed because I got two job offers, one to be an oil and gas litigator, surely make a lot of money and help uh, my mom by buying a house and a car. But I also got offered a job in the internet selling legal research online in 1992. Uh, the internet was nothing like it is today. I, of course, went to my mom uh, because that's who I wanted to buy the house and the car for. That was my trusted advisor. That's a person I knew that loved me unconditionally. And without a doubt, she told me that I better be a real lawyer, that the internet was a fad. And I say that was a poignant moment in my life because I learned one thing, that you're better voting for what you want, no matter who it is, that just because somebody loves you does not mean they're giving you good advice. So I voted for what I wanted. Uh, yes, I blended my faith with the monetary decision. I took the bar just in case my mom was right. Uh, but nine months out of law school, I was a millionaire. I bought my mom a house, bought my mom a car. Uh, paid off my law loans all within nine months. Uh, and that just reinforced the wrong lesson that money bought happiness because I was super happy, super excited. Uh, I thought I was Midas and I continued to roll as Midas through the Silicon Valley. Um, we sold the company I worked for, West Publishing, for $3.4 billion. Uh, and that set my life into a different trajectory on Silicon Valley with the wireless proxy server space, taking what I learned from the internet into the wireless space, transcoding the internet onto WAP phones, flip phones, and then eventually becoming the CEO of the world's first smartphone, the PCE phone, the world's first convergence device. They didn't call them smartphones because they were just expensive, big, and stupid. But uh, learning my lessons through all of that about raising money, uh, I will tell you that if you want a skill that will always make you rich, learn how to raise money, either for charity or for corporations businesses, entrepreneurs, if you have a skill set of knowing how to raise money, it's better than even making money. Uh, because raising money is a skill set that can be used no matter what the economy is, no matter what the industry is, no matter what the charity is. Those people that have that skill set like me will never starve. And I only know that after years and years of lessons. Uh, but moreover, uh, I met a guy named Lee Steinberg as I left uh, the PC phone business, uh, the company grew way too big for me. I was just a sales guy, not a CEO, but uh, oversold myself uh, organically into Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, where in my 30s, I was the CEO of the most notable sports agency in the world. And that's where I met Warren Moon, Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, about 11 years ago, we spun off our company, Sports One Marketing specifically to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. Over the last three years though, I took all that I've learned by building brands uh, like Warren Moon, like you know all those great players at Lee Steinberg and other companies and entities, you know the Clemente family and other great things that I did. And I started building my own brand. I saw an opportunity uh, that has never been afforded ever in the history of the world, the ability to build a brand for 4.2 billion people around the world with your own authentic ideas. And so I started creating quality content, consistently putting it up under the mentorship of Gary Vaynerchuk. I gave him a little trade. I, I mentored them in sports agency and they mentored me in how to build a brand, a digital brand. Uh, and so 
that has led me today. Now, the one thing we on this financial journey, when I was working for Lee Steinberg, uh, is I owned the golf course, the ski mountain, many properties, uh, and I was very arrogant, ego-based, and 2008 happened and could not find, I was in lawsuits, ego-based lawsuits, ones I never had to be in, and uh, I over, was over-leveraged, I couldn't get liquid, and I ended up losing, on paper, over $100 million. Uh, but quickly, uh, with the help of my wife, readjusted my values and uh, quickly made uh, the right decisions and have built, like I said, a passionate, purposeful, and profitable future for myself and my four children and my wife who stuck with me through uh, what was a difficult financial time. That's awesome, David. Yeah, I think there's a lot there. Um, before we dive deep into the financial struggle that losing $100 million and all that, you talked about raising money, how that's a really important skill that people need to know. What is one key tactic, tactic that you could give to my audience of, if they are in that situation, what they should do? Number one, raising money is determined upon credibility. And most people stick to features, benefits. Some are wise enough to get to the quantitative value of the reasons, impacts, and capability that the investment is good. I particularly train people to raise money off of credibility to understand what they're talking about and how credible what they're talking about is. I have one of the guys that works with me, he's in his 30s, and I just had a, a meeting where he was raising money and you know, a multi-million dollar deal, and you know, he had everything down pat except for his credibility. He just said stupid things that immediately made these guys not trust the things that he was saying that were true. So the best piece of advice that I can give you is always consider the truth. Always illuminate the weaknesses, obviously uh, perpetuate the profitability of the strengths, but illuminate the weaknesses by being honest, earning credibility, always trying to be as truthful as possible. I lived and made millions and millions of dollars overselling, back-end selling, lying, cheating, manipulating people, not with a bad intent, but just as a car salesman type of uh, understanding of sales and value. Uh, and now I live by credibility and I work really hard. Not that I'm perfect. Sometimes I oversell people and back end sell them. I do my best not to. Uh, but the majority of the time I'm living in truth based consciousness. I'm living in a credible world and more people trust what I say now today with the snapshots that they have of me today than they did when I was in my twenties. Yeah, I think, I think that's a big point. I think credibility is definitely very important, especially in the social media world today to where you can fake that online. And I think when you're in an actual one-on-one -on -one meeting, you can't really fake it. You have to actually know what you're talking about. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. But back to your point on losing $100 million, it seems like you started this journey and your initial why was, I want to provide financially for my mom. And then as you went along and you made that first million dollars, it came to my why is I want to make a lot of money. And then you lost it and it seems like your why shifted along with the help of your wife to integrity, values, goals that are actually sustainable for the long term. How important is it for people to recognize that your why is very important early on, meaning that your why is actually a real thing and not just money? So for me, uh, what I've learned through that process, and I tell people all the time is, you know your why. You may be too afraid to tell yourself that why. My why is always and always has been to help somebody or something. Uh, where we get in trouble is the what, and the what is determined upon values, and we're not taking an inventory of our personal values, our experiential values, our giving values, and receiving values. And so in order to do that, and the irony for my life is my life changed two years before I 
lost everything because that's when my wife questioned my values. That's when my wife told me that I was lost and told me I was going to lose everything and told me, she, including her, that if I didn't start living with the values that I had learned and took stake in to be who I was, she was going to leave me. So I came up with these four values that I live by today and take inventory every day. One being gratitude, which gives me perspective. Two being forgiveness that allows me to have peace in my life. Three being accountability, which allows me to have control. And finally, and most importantly, the understanding between inspiration and motivating motivation. I used to be a motivated person. Now I'm an inspired person. I believe that I'm already connected to an unbelievable source of energy, light, love, and lessons. And I create the interference or corrosion to that light. Uh, and I do that through the ego, the need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, all those different things. I create these different interferences and corrosions. I set myself on the wrong trajectory in an accelerated manner that creates void shortages and obstacles that I don't want in my life. And it's an extended version of the laws of the universe of how the ego and the truth-based consciousness work and how we can allow things to happen in the truth-based consciousness in neutral, not forcing things to happen, not creating more walls, not putting our energy and emotions in the wrong place, but in the right place with the right intent with those core values of gratitude, empathy, accountability, and inspiration. Yeah, I think that's big. And are you constantly revisiting that to make sure that you're on that right path all the time? That's probably the wisest question anyone's ever met. <laughs> I like literally practice, practice, practice. I do a daily inventory. Not only a daily inventory, but it's a practice of mind to practice when, look, it's natural. I'm a human being. So all those feelings, those needs that I explained to you to be separate, inferior, superior, resentful, offended, angry, frustrated, anxious, they happen almost every day. It's just a practice to me of how I can get back to center. Um, I watched uh, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood with Mr. Rogers, who somebody gave me, now I, I've watched almost all the movie, the, the plane just landed too early, so I didn't get to see the very end, but one of my coaching clients said that uh, I reminded him of Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, and after seeing that movie, uh, you know, I have never seen or read or studied an individual that practiced humanity, that practiced his values, and was illuminating to the fact that you know, he gets angry, right? And, and he had exercises to cancel, clear, and connect the negative thoughts that he had. And he was most interested in people's emotions, their feeling, their energy and emotions and helping people, especially children, understand that it's okay to have feelings. But what he is, is the guru, the Buddha of feelings and understanding how those feelings can get in our way. They create the interference, the inspiration. And he practiced it himself. And he had some, you know, unique ways by swimming or playing the low part of the piano when he got angry to release that negative energy and get back to center. And I really tried to encourage, I have a huge business coaching practice that includes practicing ending fear, right? One of the key components of that inventory that you talked about, what do you do daily? Do you take inventory? Yes, I practice it every day and I continually try to get better at that. People ask me why I don't play as much golf anymore because I'd much rather spend the time that it takes to play golf practicing ending fear because someday I'll be able to do whatever I want when I reach that pinnacle, when I allow myself to truly connect to the light, the love, the lessons that I, I'm already connected to. When you do start to experience uh, the negative thoughts throughout the day, maybe that's anger or feeling of inferiority, what do you do? Do you breathe? Do you have these thoughts in your head? What goes through your mind? 
So in my book, Connected to Goodness, I talk about a practice that I learned called Cancel, Clear, Connect. So if something negative that I think, say, do, or believe comes up, I go ahead and just say cancel, right? I, I, I literally say cancel. Now, if it's something to the next level that I can't let go, then I take the time to sit up straight, breathe in through my nose, out through my mouth, and say clear. I'm going to clear my whole mind because whatever it is has some sort of subconscious basis. Some of the 40,000 of the same thoughts that I have every day doesn't allow that to not repeat into my conscious mind. Right. If by chance uh, it's something that comes up no matter what, if I try to cancel it, I try to clear it, but it's physically in me every day. And I had one thing through the lawsuits that I had and other things with, you know, anger issues that I had with my neighbor and blame, shame, and justification. It took me nine years to forgive my neighbor for what I thought, you know, he had done for me instead of me being, look, he's liable and he's responsible, but I'm accountable. You know, by the laws of California and the federal government, he's liable and responsible for what happened. But more importantly, I did not answer the question of what I did to attract that into my life and what are am I supposed to learn from it? And once I did, I used that connection, that inspiration to clear all of the frustration and anxiety instead of carrying that weight with me and that baggage with me, which creates and attracts more baggage. I took it off of my back. And at 52, I run faster and longer and stronger than any 32 year old that I know. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think there's a lot there too that I wish we had time to unpack. But Essentially, I just think you're you're an incredible human being. The way you think and the way you guide through every single day, and it seems like every single second of your life, you're thinking, "How can I make this second worth it?" Right? And I think that's really important there. But David, we'll go ahead and get wrapping up. I want to be sure my audience can find you on social media and your podcast. So where can they find you? Sure. Well, first, if you can, you know, this Melter Kaleidoscope is what you're talking about, which is a lens of productivity. How productive and how much value are you providing to others? Appreciate what you will be as well as appreciate what others will be. And then also there's a lens of, of accessibility. Be accessible to others. You know, that's why I have this 520 rule and I am only able to give so much to each interview because I want to be accessible to more people and also access what I want. And then finally, a lens of gratitude that gives you the right perspective. Uh, if you can let me know via text, anyone listening to this with the greatest impact or lesson that they've learned in this interview, that has the most use for me. So my text number is 949-298-2905. 949-298-2905. Uh, my website's dmeltzer. That's my first initial last name, dmeltzer.com. Otherwise, it's at David Meltzer on you know, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, at David Meltzer. David Meltzer, go ahead and Google me. I certainly appreciate the time, my friend. If you ever need anything, please just text me. I'll be of service. Reach out. I answer everything myself. I look forward to helping. And remember, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Awesome. Thanks, David. Thank you. Take care, my friend. Thanks for listening. I post episodes every Monday and Thursday at 6 a.m. Central Time, and they're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other major podcasting platform. Check out our social media linked in the description and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time.